Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey, this is Mansip Khan, and you are tuning into a brand new episode of FinTech Fridays. Today, I have an amazing, amazing guest today. I got Matt Glode from Northern Block. Matt, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I know, like every entrepreneur, your day is slam-packed, so thank you for taking time out of your super hectic schedule to make it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, Matt, could you, just for the audience, give us a little bit of who you are and a little bit of who and what Northern Block is? Sure. So uh, my name is Matsuri Glod. I'm the CEO, president of Northern Block. Northern Block is a Toronto-based blockchain product development shop focused on building enterprise blockchain solutions. So we've been around for uh, just over a year now. We're still a small team, just under 25 uh, employees, but we're we're dabbling in all sorts of areas. So we're doing a, a bunch of interesting projects uh, in the supply chain space, in the identity space, building tools and developer tools for, for writing smart contracts and uh, doing a lot of cool stuff in the space, working with many different clients and different business verticals. You have worked with some of the past bigger enterprises and now you guys are moving to smaller enterprises. Could you talk a little bit more of the challenges, trials and tribulations that you had had experienced um, implementing blockchain technology into a bigger enterprise? Yeah, sure. So um, just a bit of a background on when we first started Northern Block. So um, my co-founder Sasha and myself, we have experience working both with startups and larger enterprises, but Prior to Northern Block, we were both at uh, Capital One Bank uh, building digital products for them. So uh, I I personally was a product manager working on a bunch of different products. Uh, For example, their online banking space, uh, some payment infrastructure, some Asian desktop servicing. And uh, my co-founder, Sasha, was an agile coach, scrum master, and we were partnered together there um, executing on, on a lot of cool projects. So when we first started... Uh, getting into blockchain technologies when we were still working at Capital One. Um, you know, we were looking in the enterprise space because that's where we were at the time. That's what we were trying to investigate just specifically for the, the firm we were at at the time, if there was any applicability of these technologies. So when we first started getting into it, we were taking the lens of how do you make this work within a larger enterprise, right? So once we, you know, finally decided that we saw enough of a market to go out there and there was room for a service shop because we really felt that there was a lack of execution in the enterprise blockchain space. When we left Capital One, we really took that approach of that, like, how could we build stuff internally inside the larger enterprises? So when we made that leap, we got a few contracts with uh, some larger firms, so some stock exchanges, some consulting firms, government agencies as well uh, built a bunch of different uh, projects it wasn't there was some overlap in some of the stuff we were doing but they're very different verticals very different products but I mean we're, we're good at building products so it doesn't really matter uh, what industry we're in I mean we, we work well with the clients that know their industry and know their stuff and we're, we're good at actually just building products and executing so it doesn't matter but Anyways, all, all that to say that when when we started, we were doing larger enterprise work. I guess pretty rapidly, we we found that it was difficult to get stuff beyond a certain point. Um, 
like we, we knew that right coming from, from from large enterprises so i don't know what <laughs> drove us to go back there but um yeah the, there's a lot of barriers we, we could get into those but we you know, we really wanted to take stuff to, to production. We really saw the disruption that this technology could actually bring to the various industries and, and to the world itself and uh, the benefits it has to the end user in returning the control of data ownership back to the end user. And we really didn't feel like this vision and these goals that we had to, 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 to achieve these by taking stuff to production was the, the easiest to do within the larger enterprises. So... That's when we kind of switched mm-hmm. uh, switched our route and focused more on building outside. Blockchain, all everything that you hear in the news, uh, either positive or negative, a little bit more positively skewed is that how incredible blockchain technology is, and like how incredible and beneficial it would be to, I guess, enterprises and just just like big conglomerates, right? Um, do you see any disadvantages, enterprises, be it medium or big size, integrating with blockchain technologies? Um, yeah, so so not necessarily a disadvantage, right? There's a, a lot of proven use cases. And if you look at um, the most popular things that are being worked on, I think this was from a Deloitte survey either this year or last year. Uh, it seems like most large enterprises are doing something in blockchain, right? Whether it's just building a proof of concept or trying to do a pilot. Mm-hmm. It seems like over 80% of executives in these large companies, I think there were over 500 companies surveyed, are, are doing something. So people are learning, people are investigating, people are dabbling with it. I don't think there's a lack of use cases, and I think there are tremendous advantages of building these solutions. I, I think the difficulty of getting past a, a certain barrier or to, to implement is just that the, the products that, that you build using blockchains are totally different than any existing product, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm, um, if I'm a bank and I, I see that I could potentially leverage blockchain technologies for KYC, for example, to store a, a customer's data on there, and there might be an advantage to share this customer data amongst a consortium of other banks, well, it, it, it sounds like a good idea, but, you know, it, it's, there's a lack of economic incentive for, for them past a certain point to even want to do that so one thing is like the learning to get get up to speed with this stuff and see what the advantages are but these people know they you know they're they're smart people they know what advantages these things could bring but there's a lack of incentive to want to follow through with these programs often we see that you know these large enterprises already have existing businesses that are doing stuff very well and they're very profitable for them right Mm -hmm. so why would they want to build something totally new, totally disruptive that would disrupt their their existing current moneymaker? Yeah, either, yeah exactly. Their their current moneymaker mm-hmm. to do this new thing, right? So it's it's a big gamble, and For sure. it, it obviously is a gamble. There, there's a lack of uh, success stories and stuff that have been yeah. put out, right? So yeah. definitely one one of the big difficulties we're seeing is just like. The incentive to even want to do it, the, econo- mm-hmm. the economic incentive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that it seems to make sense, right? Because it's it's a very you see with a lot of the bigger corporations, a lot of the bigger conglomerates, the current way of doing things is the best way to make the money, and it's very hard. Like you said, if it's going to be disruptive of how things are currently happening and flowing, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to invest? millions if not billions of dollars into this new thing that's going to destroy what I currently have going on? This is amazing. I'm comfortable doing this. Yeah, and uh, at the same time, when these large enterprises, uh, their number one risk factor is cybersecurity. Yes. 
and like you're seeing over and over again all these hacks happening there was, it was just last week there that massive facebook one it, it's non-stop and like the ones we're seeing in the news are only the ones that are, are being broadcasted but exactly I guarantee you most <laughs> yeah there's you know, so many of them that, no, that none of the companies don't want any publicity behind right right so 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 it's a big factor as well if i'm an executive uh driving blockchain technologies or driving innovation within within my firm uh, if, I, if I was going to say, okay, let's invest in this product, uh, I think we're going to be able to create a competitive advantage by doing this and create a, a good business model uh, on top of this. Well, then what, right? I'm going to build this decentralized ledger technology or what, whatever I'm doing. And then like every other piece of technology inside my company, I'm going to need to wrap it up with a thousand layers to make sure that it's... It's all secure. It's all good to go. Yeah. So, it, it, you know... So, so back to that incentive, why would I spend, call it a few millions on this when I'm going to have to spend 10 on top just to secure it, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, a, a lot of these things uh, really impact why, you know, we're, we're not seeing things progress as fast as, as we would like it. It's really not, it's really not a lack of technology. It's really uh, one of the big things that so a couple times there's it's, yeah. it's just the incentive to one yeah to absolutely it. absolutely so you did mention uh, on the top of the episode that uh, one of the things that Northern Block does focus on is supply chain I think one of the big parts that a lot of media coverage is not getting behind is how important supply chain is in the aspect of blockchain so could you share uh, a little bit on your opinion on why you think supply chain is very important and I guess some use cases for it Sure. Um, yeah, so, so we have a couple of supply products that we're building back by, by blockchain technologies. A, a lot of the stuff we do is, um, I mean, we, we dabble with public blockchains depending on, on the use case and the business requirements. Right? It, it, you can make a distinction, right, between like a public blockchain and permissioned or consortium or even private blockchains. A lot of the stuff that our, our partners and our clients want to build require consortium style blockchains. So, mm -hmm. that, so that means we're identifying a bunch of parties that want to partner together to share data or share assets between themselves on an open ledger between themselves, not between the whole world, just between them. So if you're saying, I want to do a supply chain solution, if, if you imagine McDonald's, for example, wanting to do a, a blockchain-based supply chain solution to track the quality of their ground beef or their meats through that whole supply chain from the time the cow is born until yeah. someone consumes a hamburger. You know, you probably wouldn't put that on a, a public blockchain like Ethereum or Bitcoin or, you know, whatever. I, I don't necessarily need the whole world to see, to have access, to, even though you could encrypt stuff, to, to have access to, to, you know, the patterns and data and what, what's happening. So... Maybe in that case, I have, uh, let's call it 100 different parties, sure. uh, probably more complicated than we think, that interact with, you know, from cow to, to hamburger. So as an end user, it would be important for me to know that what I'm eating is actually what, what it is, right? Exactly. I'm seeing more and more of this stuff, uh, especially like the social conscious stuff. Uh, that, like, I, I want to know that what I'm getting is what it really is. And so then that really comes down to how are you able to properly... Track the, the provenance of whatever good or asset, whatever that you're consuming, right? Mm -hmm. So back to that McDonald's example, if I have 100 people in the supply chain, then potentially there's at all these touch points when people are interacting with the product or whatever the product is at, at that point, uh, I might want to capture data points, right? I might want to capture if, you know, and it could be data points from 
an actual person that's touching it, or it could be data points from an IoT device or sensors or whatever. If we're doing exactly. te- temperature controlling or whatever, you know, whatever success metrics we have for for this product. So again, uh, I'm McDonald's. I want to build this solution that every single person is going to use at the same time. Right. It, it's it's hard to do, right? It's like no, absolutely, absolutely. Especially um, I, again, like we talked about, McDonald's is such a huge franchise, such a huge company. It's going to be very hard to like implement blockchain supply chain solution. For hamburgers or and, even french fries and then do they want it do, do, do they want that uh, at the same time if now i'm implementing this this solution i'm creating a lot more auditability and visibility into what's happening in the supply chain yeah do all the different members want that some of them are probably making a decent living there and maybe they're not bringing as much value to this whole thing but they're making money out of it so why would they want everyone else to see that right exactly so, so there's incentive there as well. But you can imagine if, if someone like McDonald's tried to implement that, all these people are most likely so dependent on that client yeah. that they would have to, to, to buy into that. Yeah. But um, So these are, are some of the types of things that we're doing is that we're building these consortium networks of parties for specific processes that we could go capture. And we're very aware how hard it is to... Um, you know, scale something to, to that size, mm-hmm. like the, the, that example we just gave. So what we do is with our, our partners and the industries that we're working in, we really try to get just a specific slice of that supply chain. We try to get everyone on there, prove the concept, do a pilot, run it, see that it's successful with them. Once we've proven that there's enough value for the users and everyone involved, then that's when we could start kind of expanding it in whatever direction we want to. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's important to have like a niche target base. And speaking of all this, McDonald's is getting me a little a little hungry. So, <laughs> so you did also mention that uh, Northern Block is doing some work in the digital identity space. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about, in I guess in your terms, what digital identity is and the advantages of implementing digital identity? Yeah, sure. That that's one of those big problems that a lot of different people are trying to solve back to like the, the Facebook example right it's like uh, Facebook owns all of their users data so mm-hmm. their, their users are their product really right and then they use that data to, to, to make money so the promise of digital identity is back to the fact that you could return data ownership to the user mm-hmm. and so you have this thing called sovereign identity as an individual I should own who I am right uh, and so when I interact with different people, whether it's uh, I'm, I'm at the airport taking a flight and I need to show ID or I'm at the LCBO trying to buy a, a bottle of wine and they need to verify my age or whatever it is that people need access to my personal information, I should be able to choose exactly what I share with these people without them having access to all my information. Mm-hmm. That just decentralizes the, the process, right? Instead right. of all these different parties having their own databases that are vulnerable to attacks, with my personal information on it, which could harm me. Instead, I, I have my um, my identity and my personal information stored uh, in a decentralized manner, and then I could really choose who I share it with and actually... And what you share, essentially, with, with who, right? Exactly. And so, like I mentioned, there, there's a bunch of different people that are, are trying to do stuff in that space. I mean, you hear about, like, Uport or Civic, and the, the, those are some of the, the leaders in the space right now. We haven't seen much adoption yet. That, that's just indicative of the of the whole space. But so so what we're doing is so we we had worked on a couple proof of concepts. Uh, so we got familiar with the topic. Mm. Um, how could we use the benefits of it? Since Northern Block builds uh, 
decentralized applications. Identity is a big factor for every single one. Identity is actually at the center of every single application. And so, so if I want to, for example, in my, my supply chain solution, if it's decentralized enough, I want to make sure that the data that is being provided is actually coming from a certain person. Mm -hmm. I want to verify it's coming from that person. Right. I want to know that it's actually that person providing the data, so it's it's clean data. There, there's an applicability there, right? Yeah. If, if I have um, a trade financing tool or asset trading or whatever, like I, you need to know who the person is, right? Of course. And then based on whatever jurisdiction you're operating in, there might there, there are rules, there are yeah. regulations, uh, whether you need to be accredited, uh, whether KYC needs to be done to be able to transact. So all these things could potentially be decentralized so we could actually stop having hundreds and thousands, millions of companies just hoarding everyone's personal data and you really return ownership to the owner, which is the user, which is yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you could actually just control who you share it with and who, who sees it and you know how it's being used and you could potentially imagine a future where you could actually make money out of sharing that stuff, right? If you want to share it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that'd, be, that'd be a very interesting use case and everybody gets to be like their own influencer in a sense of like, oh, hey, this car company's trying to target me. Okay, cool. I'll share these information so they know that I want a minivan or what have you, right? Yeah, and then imagine like uh, every time you go online, not now you're seeing on all these websites, they, they have to tell you that they're... they're that they're, they're the browsing cookies. the cookies, yeah. And so what if you had a, a decentralized browser and then your identity is attached to your usage, right? So <laughs> instead of all these websites taking cookies, you're taking the cookies. And then if they want the cookies, then they could ask you for it. And mm -hmm. then you could start creating markets like that. Right. So right. it's more, uh, it's just, a, it's, it's a win for the end user, for, for people. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it goes back to like, again, what we started with is like, it comes down to reclaiming who you really are and your sovereign identity and just taking it from there, right? Like you have ownership of who you are. Ideally, you want to have the exact same ownership in a digital space. Right. And uh, it, it removes friction. Like uh, you don't have to do all this repetition everywhere, right? Yeah. I, I, oh, my I, goodness. I, every time you, you need to consume a product or service, it's the same thing. Yeah. You're providing the same yeah. information. So. It removes friction for you and ultimately, back to this whole incentive thing, but uh, ultimately it would be cost savings for uh, all these companies as well. Instead mm -hmm. of having to manage and mm -hmm. secure your, your private data, yeah. the, they wouldn't own it. Or even or even like personally, right? Like I know I can't even count the number of times that I forgot my ID and I go to a bar and ask for my ID. I'm like, you can just Google my name. Yeah. Right, I've 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 pretty good SEO behind my name. Just Google me. I am who I am. Right, like just if the data is is trust trustworthy enough, that's what we're trying to get. Like authentic data that people trust is accurate. Then you, you could start getting in situations where uh, I don't even need to share like a certain piece of information if they need. If another trusted party, let's call it a bank. If, if we're saying a bank is trusted enough to make an attestation that I am who I am or I live at this address and whatever, right? So potentially you, you could limit the amount of information that's being shared if people are trusting what other people have said about you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really cool concept. Yeah, that, that's, like, that's exactly what I was going to touch on a little bit more on next of there's there's more than enough opportunity of people becoming trusting parties right like trusting parties don't necessarily have to be institutions or even organizations they can just they can even be individuals of like yeah nope this is I, that's my little goofball boom there you yeah, go yeah and then you know if, if you're storing all the data all these transactions on an immutable ledger you, one cool thing and there are projects in the space as well and I, I think this is going to be huge is the whole status and reputation side of things that now I could actually 
create a standard for a status or a reputation of someone that impacts uh, what these people are allowed to do or potentially if these people are interacting with other people it impacts the quality of the data if they're attesting to something and I know they're a reputable person mm -hmm. I know they're a reputable person because they've done all these things exactly you can start just creating business logic around this stuff and you know really decentralize it no longer I need to actually focus on the bank or exactly. the utility and company exactly. and it's more power to the individual right it's, it goes down to back to having sovereign identity and just having even more validation in I guess the blockchain ecosystem or what have you right Exactly. So other than supply chain and having a digital identity, what else excites you about the blockchain space? There's a lot of really cool things that I have a lot of potential. Just starting in the public space, taking a step out of the enterprise where we're in, like the enterprise we could talk about supply chain stuff and IoT stuff, identity stuff. We could get back to that. But some of the, some of the things that we're seeing that are really exciting in the public blockchain space, uh, one is definitely the decentralized exchanges. Once they, once they get it right and you're actually able to do like true peer-to-peer -peer exchange of assets and you're actually able to create a market, mm -hmm. that's going to be very powerful. Uh, so we're, we're excited about decentralized exchanges. Um, Stablecoins have been a huge topic of discussion. Mm -hmm. um, so basically a stablecoin is just... Um, a better asset to trade because it just holds its value whereas like people aren't comfortable right now using a lot of the, the crypto assets to uh, as a leverage or to, to move around just because of the fluctuation in prices right so so would a stable coin be something like an asset that is like i guess tied down to gold or like a legit like physical commodity or yeah the, there's a bunch of different ways to to do it it could be tied to a commodity it could be tied to the u.s dollar right or any uh, other securities it could be tied to a bucket of uh, crypto assets mm -hmm. it could be, it, there's a bunch of uh, different uh, approaches there and what we're seeing all of these different things um okay a couple of weeks ago uh, the exchange gemini in the um in the U.S., that's uh, the exchange uh, owned by the Winklevoss twins. There, right, right, those two Facebook yeah. guys. So they actually launched a stablecoin pegged to the U.S. dollar. Um, so you know, if I think about a use case that I uh, want to do cross-border remittances, mm -hmm. um, it might not be the greatest right now with the current market conditions to, to use Ether or to use Litecoin or to use Bitcoin. Uh, just because if, you know, from the time I send it and then the time it gets to a place and it's transacted to someone else, that value fluctuates so much, right? And so people are looking to solve that problem of how could you use distributed ledgers for these transactions but that are, are pegged to something more stable where if it, like I said, if it's fiat or a bucket of crypto. Right, or right. If I accidentally send somebody even more money than I should, I get pissed. Like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine sending somebody the exact Ethereum um, that they requested and like, oh, it's, it's skyrocketed 15%. Like, God, ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not usable in, in like real world. Yeah, absolutely, situations. absolutely. You, you can scale that business. So yeah, it, it's an interesting space as well. So, yeah, there, there's a bunch of stuff that is super exciting that people are working on in the uh, public space. I mean, they're, um, us personally in Northern Block, we're, we're working on a lot of developer tools. So the technology is still very early on, and depending on where you're building, on what blockchain mm -hmm. you're building, um, you're not necessarily going to get the same help from, from tools and documentation and stuff like that, which makes it easy to develop, which in a lot of 
you know, software development outside of um, outside of smart contracts and blockchain technologies. Like it, it's it's more mature, so you, you have that stuff. So as a developer, the there are way less barriers to actually execute and implement stuff. Whereas if you're a smart contract developer, the easiest time you'll have is probably developing on Ethereum, just because they're the the most mature platform and well, mature blockchain and set of, of tools, right? And even at that, a lot of the tools are very fragmented and you need to go all over the place. So, right. Um, what we're doing and what we're trying to help the developers, because, uh, you know, that's been a, a big pain point for us trying to build this stuff. Is yeah, like but how, how could we bring everything together to make it super easy to write, to deploy smart contracts, to test it, to stress test networks, to uh, deploy nodes, to deploy APIs, uh, all this stuff that there's a lot of commonalities, uh, you know, for any developer that's trying to do this or trying to build blockchain products so mm-hmm. uh we're implicated in that space as well and we're uh we're happy a, a few team members of ours are going to to san francisco uh on friday this week actually oh wow nice today, yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> to uh to participate in the san francisco ethereum hackathon so it'll be exciting to see uh just what of a what the people are, are working on and trying to move forward Yes. No. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to see you creating a, I guess, a central hub with all the developer tools for everybody out there. Like that'd be, um, that that's going to be more than more than valuable to everybody. Yeah, and it's ultimately it's the developers that choose where things are being built. It's not exactly. It's it's not the businesses. The businesses have have the requirements and everything, but at the end of the day, it's the developer that that pulls the trigger on it. Yeah, and, and so, so, so if you could give them proper toolkits to be able to, to execute better, uh, yeah. I think that that's it's, it's a win for everyone, right? And so uh, us being a first user of that, it's really helpful building it because we're building it for ourselves and we're using it ourselves and we're looking forward to uh, to growing that product uh, and, and into the market. So Matt, if people want to get in touch with you or Northern Block or even one of the amazing devs that you're sending out of San Francisco, what would be the best way to contact you guys? Would it be through Twitter? Do we Snapchat you? How do we, what would be the best way to get in touch with you guys? <laughs> We're not on Snapchat yet, but you could uh, just Google us, uh, Northern Block uh, online, northernblock.ca. We're on most uh, social channels. We're active on Twitter, LinkedIn, so you could find us pretty easily there. And uh, yeah, but please reach out if you have any questions. We love talking to, to people about this stuff. Well, Matt, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I learned way more about supply chain and blockchain than I ever would have. Even I'm, I'm very excited about having a sovereign identity, and I'm very excited to see what's what's more in store other than the developer tours and just the amazing work that you're going to do in Northern Block. I can't wait to have you on the show again. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. This was a, a fun conversation. You've been listening to FinTech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest FinTech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment FinTech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.